as I mentioned this morning on this verse. I think you have here a ready word to answer the enemy in the moment of battle. So I'm titling that tonight with that title, A Word for the Battle. I want us to read Micah chapter 7, and we'll read verses 7, 8, and 9. Micah chapter 7, verse 7, it says, Therefore I will look unto the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him until he plead my cause and execute judgment for me. He will bring me forth to the light and I shall behold his righteousness. Well, may the Lord add his own blessing to the reading of his word for his name's sake. Let's just ask the Lord to meet with us. Father in heaven, now we would pray that you'll let the word of God be that which is used by thy spirit to draw us, to help us, to teach us, to lead us. Lord, to correct us, but also, O oh God, to cause our faces to be drawn to the face of our God. May we look unto thee. Lord, may thy word do a work that causes us to look away from self and to consider the Lord our God. Lord, I pray that you will bless us then. I pray that you'll speak to us for the sake of the Savior and allow us a time with thyself, a time like that of the upper room when you came in and greeted and spoke and encouraged and filled the hearts. We pray all this in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. As I said, this verse 8, which is our text, is one that you could take as a ready word in the hour when it seems that the enemy has his uh, hand over your head ready to levy a, a, a critical blow. What do you say in an hour when it seems that all is lost? Well, uh, here's our verse. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. You know, the truth of our battle with the wicked one, the truth of the battle that we have with evil, is that in the time when the people of God struggle, when we find ourselves weak, when we find ourselves falling, when we find ourselves failures, it is true that the enemy rejoices. He rejoices at the fall of the saints. Perhaps a good picture of that might be like the Philistines, the day that Saul and Jonathan fell in battle. How there was rejoicing in the cities of the Philistines at the fall of the king of Israel. Perhaps we might even say that the rejoicing here would be akin to those who were of Babylon who demanded 
that the defeated ones of Israel, while captives there, would sing songs of Zion. Oh, I know, and I think you know, that that was a very insincere demand. What it was was mockery. What it was was derision. There was no care for the songs of Zion. What they wanted to, to do was to cause as much pain in the hearts of those who had seen what they known had known and loved destroyed. And I will say this, that much of the desire, much of the response of the enemy when saints have to admit that they have fallen and failed uh, well, I think it gives occasion to the wicked one for times when there are peals of laughter and hisses of mockery. Can you imagine what Satan did when he saw Eve bite into the apple? Well, perhaps you have some idea of what Satan still does. Well, how do you answer that? How do you address that? How do you actually deal with that? When you know that what you have done, or the actions or the attitudes of your heart have caused an opportunity for the wicked one to both mock you, but more so mock the gospel and mock the power of Christ that you say that you've known. How do you answer that? How do you answer when the devil comes to you and says, you know what, you're never going to be worth anything. You're never, you have fallen down and you might as well stay down there because you can't do anything. There is no worth to you at all. How do you answer? Well, I think that is what our text offers us. It does give us an answer. And I see just four things that I want to point out to you this evening about this answer. I want you to see first that there is in these words of our text an admission. And this is important. There is an admission. When I fall. You know, there is absolutely no sense for us who know the Lord Jesus, for those who know the power of his mercies and his graces, for us who have known the goodness of our God, Throughout our days, there is absolutely no reason for us, there's no sense for us to allow pride to keep us off the ground of confession. And I'll tell you, I think what you have here is a statement that causes us to, be, to, to understand a very important truth. And that is this, that confession of sin is not a pleasure uh, a matter of pleasure to the devil. You know, even though you'd have to say, you know what, you're right, I have sinned. You know what, I have fallen. You, you are absolutely true. Uh, and when you say that my feet have slipped and now that I'm, I'm down and I'm in perhaps not a very good place or uh, maybe even a shameful place, it's true, you're right. The devil doesn't like to hear that because he knows what's going to happen after that. Confession of sin is the putting right of all things. The wounds have been healed and strength has been regained. Child of God, understand one of the things that the devil fears the most is for you to confess your sin to God. 
we think, oh, well, if I have to admit sin, he's won. If I have to confess my sin, then the devil's won. It's exactly the opposite. He doesn't win. Because in the confession of sin, there is the turning to the answer for it. There's the turning to the blood of the Lord Jesus that cleanses. There's tur the turning to the power that lifts up. There is a complete answer to the situation. Confession of sin is not something that is a sign of weakness. Oh, may we understand that it is not a sign of weakness. It's actually the opposite. It's a sign of regaining of strength. It's a sign of regaining of senses. When I fall, yeah, I do. I have. But he says also, and here's my second point, there's not only an admission. That's my first point. There's an admission. My second thought is this, there's an arising. Now that's a very obvious point. It says it right in the text. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. That's not a statement of possibility. That's not a statement of probability. That's an absolute certainty. When I fall, I shall arise. Why? Because the Lord doesn't leave me where he allowed me by my foolishness to fall. But he always comes to me. He always helps me. There's going to be an arising. I shall arise. Again, this is also not a statement of a partial fix or a momentary fix to my situation. I shall arise. Further, I would say this. This is not a word of hopeful possibilities. You know, sometimes uh, when you get in an argument or you, as a child you get in a tussle, you know, things, words like, well, you just wait, you know, come out of our mouths. Well, what, what is that? Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to arise. No, it's not a statement I'm going to arise. It's a statement that I, I know that there's a possibility that sometime in the future, well, I'll get my own back. That's not what this is saying at all. This is not the, the tenor of these words at all. Here is a statement of absolute victory. When I fall, I shall arise. This, O oh serpent, is a statement of fact. I will arise. There will be absolute victory. There will be full recovery for me. You can knock me down, but you can't keep me down. Why? Why is that true? The answer is because it was the case for the Lord Jesus. It was the case for the Lord Jesus. When Christ was made sin, when Christ was lain in the grave, it was not possible that the grave should hold him. It was not possible for him to remain overcome. It was not possible for the enemy to have but a moment's time at which he could point to any kind of victory. Child of God, that's the way it is for us. Why? Because in Christ there is a certainty that, the, that we will not be left there. Our God will not leave us in that situation. 
You know, it's sort of interesting that the devil could not imagine the Lord Jesus having such an immense victory arising. I don't know whether it was completely, he was completely ignorant of it. Uh, he could not imagine it and he did not imagine it. So likewise, I think it is for us. How is it that you're ever going to get back up again? Well, because of my God. Because the victory over sin is one that has been purchased for me by the blood of the Lord Jesus. The power that will lift me up is not the power of my own heart, but it's rather the power of the heart of my God. That which is going to take me up from the fallen state and set me upon my feet again and put a new song in my mouth is the power of my God. And by the way, O enemy, many shall see it and fear and trust in the Lord. The Lord's going to do a work. He's not going to leave me in the pit. He's not going to leave me cast down. There will be an arising. So I say, this answer that we have, the word for battle, contains an admission. It contains a certain arising. I would also have to say, though, that there is in this another thing that has to be admitted, and that's an awfulness. In verse 8, we read there, When I sit in darkness... That's an awful condition to be in. That's perhaps the, the condition that the devil would hope to have us in at all times. Why? What, is, what does it mean, sit in darkness? Well, I think this. I think to sit in darkness means that you don't first see truth aright. I don't, I don't understand what's true. I don't understand what's false. I don't understand what's true about God. I don't understand what's true about me. I find that my heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked and I can't know it and I can't know my situation. I can't know my circumstance. I don't know the outcome. I can't see what's down the road. I really don't understand what's been in the past. I don't understand anything. I'm sitting in darkness. I don't see what is true. And beyond that, to sit in darkness means that you don't see an answer at all. Not only do you not see truth or right, you don't see an answer at all. How am I supposed to get out of this? What is going to be the method for me to be strengthened up? Sometimes when you sit in darkness, there is an ignorance of where any answer would really come from. And further, I would have to say this. We don't see the fierce, uh, any fearsomeness of the situation alleviated. How is this changing? How does this darkness become different? The devil says to us, see, I see, I got you. You're in darkness. You don't see anything. You can't, you're completely helpless. Here we are looking and having described for us uh, at the worst of conditions spiritually. This is the enemy's ground and the chief place of his operation. You know, he's called the prince of darkness, or as uh, Martin Luther in his hymn calls him, the prince of darkness, grim. The devil would, have to, would desire to hold us in darkness, and when we have to say, well, you know what? You have made me fall into your darkness. But there is something that I can say that is the answer to that part. 
And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, which may very well be a very dark place, there is an answer for it. And I come to my last thought, and that's the answer. We have an admission in our text. We have an arising in our text. We have an awfulness of situation, but we have an answer. And that answer is what? The Lord shall be a light unto me. When I am in my darkest of places, when I'm in my weakest of places, when I'm in my most shameful of places, the Lord, if I belong to him, will be a light unto me. And I want you to understand and make a distinction in your thinking. This is not saying that the Lord will provide light. This is saying that he is my light. He himself is my light. Psalm 27 verse 1. Do you know that verse? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Of whom? Whom shall I fear? Yes, the Lord himself. I'm not relieved. I'm not helped by another help, even if it is of God. The statement here is that the Lord himself, the Lord Jesus, through the power of the Spirit of God, will be my helper. He will be my light. He will be my deliverer. He will be my rescuer. He will be that one who comes and puts his arm, as it were, under my arm and lifts me up. He will be that one who strengthens me. He will be the one who heals me. He will be the one who puts the word in my mouth to be able to speak back at this old wicked serpent who comes to me and tells me, now you're done for. Oh, the answer of all defeat and all darkness is the person of Christ. For the old serpent to meet the Lord Jesus in battle is to have the greatest of all defeats and for us brings to us the greatest of all deliverances. My point is this, that when we are in that time, this is a promise that the Lord Jesus will come alongside, that he will be a bolsterer, that he will be a helper, but that he indeed himself, when pointing at his own wounds and the accomplishment of his own work, will be the one who defeats the old serpent. Satan cannot withstand the presence of Christ. He retreats at once. How many times do we see that in the scripture? When the Lord Jesus comes to a place and they bring the multitudes, you have Satan retreating at all points. You see that in the various healings. Some of the healings that we see the Lord Jesus uh, performing for those that he's had mercy on were a direct cause of, or the direct cause of which were uh, was sin itself. The young man let down through the roof. The Lord Jesus looks at him and says, Son, thy sins be forgiven. You'd have to assume then that the reason he was in that condition had something to do with sin. The man at the pool of Bethesda, the Lord says he's been there in that condition for 38 years. And when he releases him, he says, Go and sin no more. You see, how many times 
does the Lord Jesus know that the healing that was needing to be done was by the removal of sin? But further, you'd have to have to say this. How many times did the Lord defeat the devil? How many times did he retreat and flee when the Lord cast out devils? You know, the one man there in Gadara had a legion of devils. You'd say there was at least 2,000. You say, how do you know that? Because there was about 2,000 pigs that they all went into. All of them were afraid of Christ and at the sound of his voice retreated in terror, if you will. How many raisings were there from the dead? We might ask, how does the Lord Jesus then help us? How is it that he does this? How is it that he's a light that causes the old wicked devil to flee? So that we can say these words of this text in confidence. Well, I think you see that the Lord Jesus proves to be a light to us first through the sound of his voice. The sound of his voice. You know that many would say that the disciples that night when they were on the sea and it was in the back of the ship asleep and the waves were filling the boat and the storm was about to overtake them, that that was a storm that was specifically and purposefully and pointedly brought upon them by the power of the prince of the air. And the Lord gives up, and with the sound of his voice, all of that retreats. You have the sound of his voice here in this word. Satan can't withstand the word. Do we need to give another point? Do you remember when the Lord Jesus was tempted of the devil? And the devil came with his various arguments and various offers and tried to trip the Lord up and tempt the Lord, and the Lord answered him how? With the word. The word of God cannot be withstood. When the Lord arises as a light to his people, it is a light that, is, that comes in connection in association with the word spoken by the Lord. We are delivered by the sound of his voice. We are delivered by the success of his work. When the blood is applied, there is nothing more that can pierce through to the heart. There's no, nothing that can pierce deeper when the blood is applied. And the sovereignty of his grace. We talked about this this morning. The sovereignty of his grace. When God means for me to know grace, there's no devil that's going to prevent that grace from finding me and doing in me what God has purposed for it to do. The Lord will prove to be a, a light to me. And though, old wicked one, you pull me down to the place where I feel like I'm in darkness and I can't see, yet my God, my Savior, who is faithful to me above all things, and though you'd have to, I would have to admit along with you, though I deny him, yet you, oh God, remain faithful. You come and you deliver me and you speak about your work and you show your hands and the devil can't stand it and he flees. 
the Son of Righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings. Yes, these are words which speak much to the inability, the frailty, and the susceptibility of our sinful hearts. We fall. We find ourselves in darkness. But you can't rejoice over me, O Satan, because when I fall, I will arise, because that's God's edict. That's God's promise. That is God's purpose. I'm going to arise again, just as the Lord Jesus arose again. You couldn't keep him in the grave, and you can't keep me in the place of darkness either. I will arise. And how do I know that? Because the Lord will be a light to me. He himself, he with his own person and the person of the Holy Spirit will come and he will deliver me. So you can do what you want, but you can't, you can't win. You cannot win. Oh, it may be that some of us will have to find that the devil will take it to the place where this body that we live in may be destroyed, but he won't win. He doesn't win. That's, all, that's, a, that's the absolute worst he can do. And as I'm getting older, I'm saying, you know what? That's not much. He's <laughs> destroying this old body anymore. I mean, it probably won't take as much to destroy it as it did a few years ago. And so you can't do much to me. You can't do anything to me. You can send me to see the face of Christ. You can send me to eternal happiness and joy. You can send me to the place where I am finished with sin and sorrow and pain and doubts and fears. You can send me to all these places that, or uh, uh, to this place where I know nothing but the unending shining of the face of Jesus Christ upon me. Yeah, send me there. But that's the worst you can do. So you're a defeated foe. Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. Well, amen. May the Lord allow us to live in the light of that. May we live in the, the knowledge of this certain victory. Well, amen. May the Lord bless his word to our hearts for Jesus' sake. Lord in heaven, now... I pray that you will let this word be that which is to us an encouragement, but also may it be a strengthening, and may it cause us not to fear the Lord to find that unbelief is gone, as was said in the hymn. We pray now that thou will keep us close to thyself, walk with us through the days of this week. Allow us to know the strengthening of our God. We pray this in Jesus' name and for his sake.